0: The following for the city sermon is from our sermon series by Pastor Scott Rising entitled Feast for Failures from the book of Luke. We hope you enjoy it. So we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer for the last two weeks, and, and I heard Kevin say it in his sermon last week. Really, it's like the Lord's Prayer, but it's really the disciples' prayer, right? Because the disciples were like, Lord, teach us how to pray. Jesus, teach us how to pray. And so he was. And, and he started off with Father, right? And then, then it was five requests. And we looked at those the last two weeks. The requests were that God would make his name holy. He is holy, but among the earth, that they would know of his fame and of his reach and his, of his greatness, right? So make your name holy among the earth. Your kingdom come as everything in heaven obeys perfectly, allow that to be our reality here. We're really praying that the Lord Jesus would return, right? That he would do away with all the the broken and bankrupt systems of the world. No matter how great America might be, it's not all that in a bag of chips. It's corrupt. It's a great country, but it's not the kingdom. It's not where everything's perfect. It's not where everything is just filled with goodness and life and light, abundance and shalom, right? So we're praying for that. And then last week, we we got to slow down and look that we're praying for for bread, right? We're, We're also praying for forgiveness of sins daily, this daily cleansing, but that we would also then, because we've received forgiveness, be a people who forgive. We're also asking for protection from evil because this world's rough. <laughs> We're rough, right? And we need God's grace in every moment of every day. And even the days where you think, man, today was seemingly went pretty easily. I got to tell you, it's because God's grace and mercy surrounded you on that day. And so that's what we've been asking for. But this week, as we look at the rest of the text, what you're going to notice is Jesus grounds our request, our prayer in the character of the father, right? That our father's gracious. And as Kevin was praying, the fact that we can call him father is grace, right? Because at one time we were children of wrath. We were warring against God. God's wrath and anger was hot against us. And something had to drastically change for that, let's say, relationship to be affected. And that was Jesus Christ's life, death, resurrection. And faith, in the good news in Christ, right? Who himself is good news. And because of that we've been adopted into this family. And now it's been said prayers the expression of a relationship. And if you if you have anyone in your life that you communicate with that you enjoy being with, you can get that. Well, Jesus is going to make sure we understand it because here's the deal. Knowing who God is, knowing that God is gracious, knowing that God loves you will shape how you pray much more than methodology on how to pray. I mean so much more, right? I mean it's one thing to know how to pray. But having the motivation to pray is a whole different thing. Um, I, you've heard me reference this before. I used to work at Radio Shack, right? With them. They taught with them all the time, what's in it for me? That's what they taught. And you might think that's terrible. It's really not. Everyone wants to know why everybody wants to know why. And so Radio Shack would teach that. We were trying to learn what would motivate employees and all these different things. What motivates you to pray is a question you you think about probably instinctively, but you may not even know why. Can I tell you right now, many Christians have been taught how to pray. Many people have been told to pray. You've ever been told that in a church service? Make sure you pray. But it doesn't transform behavior it actually doesn't transform into a life of prayer. Because information alone doesn't transform anything primarily. It it really doesn't. Because information isn't the problem. The problem is a belief problem. It's at fundamental. The reason we don't pray pray is because it's a belief problem. And, And the fact that we either believe that God's not really for us, That God really doesn't like me or love me or that I have access to him. Or we wrongly believe it doesn't matter. He's just going to do whatever he wants to do. So why pray? And and many times what needs addressed there is they just need to know God better. That's what I need. I don't need a book that's 900 pages on how to pray, right? (laughs) I, I just need to really believe. I need help. I need the Holy Spirit to help me to know the love of God because if, if I really knew that, if I really believed that, well, then prayer just becomes like breathing. It just becomes like breathing, not another religious task. And so Jesus follows up his teaching on how to pray by helping us see why we ought to pray, right? And and so that goes back to the beginning of the the father, right? So he's going to ground that word in everything we're about to look at today. So let's look. Luke 11. We're going to look at five through eight to start. And he said to them, so he's talking to the disciples. He said, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. By the way, pause. Because you, know, you wake up the kids. And that means I'm going to be up all night long. I see all the moms going like this. Right? <laughs> and so, so that's what he's saying. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything. Listen, because he is his friend. <laughs> Yet, because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. <laughs> this is an interesting little story, by the way, right? Um, it's strange to our modern ears, probably. However, the point's pretty straightforward. Imagine right now if your neighbor just stopped over and woke you up in the middle of the night because at midnight you're like, oh, it doesn't even matter. I'm still binging Netflix. I'm on Tic Tac. I'm doing my thing. You can stop over at midnight anytime. It won't bother me. But midnight literally means the middle of the night. It just means the middle of the night. So whatever that is for you, someone stops over and they need to borrow something of necessity for hospitality, right? You're like, bread. let me go to... Walmart. They're open 24-7. I don't even know if they are anymore. But you could go somewhere. But no, then you could not. You had to go to your neighbor's house. You need some fresh linens. You have someone stopping over. There's no doubt you would be, let's say, annoyed, right? If we could be honest. Um, A little unsettled maybe because someone's knocking at your door. Uh, But you would probably give them what they asked for, right? It's your neighbor, right? But here's the question. Why? Why would you give them what they asked for? What Jesus is saying is not because of the tight friendship. It's, it's not what he's saying. He's saying because of the impudence. Well, that, well, now, what is that word? What is the word? By the way, I'm going to talk about Greek. I don't know Greek. I never want you to think I'm smarter than I am because I'm really not. I just know smart people and how to read smart people and how to understand what I read. And the word in Greek is this, enedeia, okay? And I'm probably not even pronouncing it right. But that word, has been translated to impudence, okay? Now, what does that mean? What does that word in Greek mean? Well, here's a quote. A prevalent view takes it as persistence, okay? But there's no view of that in the story, by the way. There's no view of him rapping on the door, right? Another view might draw on a Middle Eastern background and, and say a desire to avoid shame, right? We don't want to bring shame on the neighborhood because hospitality is so very important. But there's no view of that. As a matter of fact, that word doesn't mean desire to avoid shame or persistence. The the word literally means shamelessness. That's what the word means, right? You can look it up and you can find out for yourself. Shamelessness, who's that belong to? It belongs to the neighbor who's at the door knocking, They're just shameless and they're asking for this. Now, why is that tricky? I mean, seriously, you have to think about this. Why is that tricky? Why don't most people preach it that way? They always preach it persistence or to avoid shame. Well, because surely Jesus is not encouraging the disciples to be shameless in going to their Father and asking. But that's exactly what he's doing, that's exactly what he's encouraging. You can see why it would be a little tricky. We don't want to present that you should be disrespectful. That's not what it's saying. But this word is not a nice word. As a matter of fact, it's used 250 times in the New Testament alone, and every one of them are negative. And so why, why is Jesus using this word to say this is how we should pray? Because the word, it, it, it connotes outrageous, offensive behavior of a shameless person. He said, I'm not giving it to you because you're my friend. I'm giving it to you because you're shameless in your asking. Whew. So get what's being said here. Jesus seems to be saying that in verse 8, friendship's not what actually moves the man inside, but the sheer audacity of the requester is what causes it to succeed. Just ask, right? In the same way, a friend doesn't give a neighbor bread because He's such a sweetie pie. We used to have a neighbor who always come over and ask for, like, all our groceries. (laughs) And if you're listening, we love you, Jackie. Just kidding. Uh, I mean, we do love you, but I was kidding about the other thing, right? But they would ask with emptiness. They just, I loved it because you knew there was real relationship there. We need sugar, right? Walk in. The kids would just walk in. We just need some sugar. Shamelessness or audacity is, is the right translation. Why? Because what it means is this, this ridiculous or embarrassing, insoluble request of just going to a father who loves us and asking. Let me tell you what this looks like in my life. I don't remember how old I was, but I was very young. And the Nintendo, the original, the OG, was like fresh on the market. It was the biggest gift that year, for sure, at Christmas. And I don't remember when I started asking, but I know it was early in the year. I remember we used to get these little catalogs and we'd get these little newspapers and I'm grabbing them, I'm circling them, I'm hanging them on the fridge, I'm putting where my dad sits down to have his coffee in the morning, I'm talking to my mom and I'm just non shameless about it. My dad might've been in a conversation with another adult, I didn't even know the other adult existed. I'm going up, I'm talking about, I want this Nintendo. Now, let me tell you, my parents were not lavish gift givers. So I knew this was a big gift, and I knew it was going to be hard for them to find, so they needed to get looking for it right now, right? <laughs> Christmas is coming. I literally cannot sleep, okay? And, and I'm like, I can't wait to wake up. So I wake up, I remember, at 1 30 in the morning. I went to bed really early because I remember being young. When you go to bed, like, time just seemed to fly, I laid my head down, I woke up. So I thought, well, if I lay my head down at six in the afternoon or evening, I would wake up. And I did, at 1 a.m. And I go into the, the room, and, I, and I'm like, I'm waking up my dad. And I'm like, get up. The presents are here. He's like, Scott, you, you got to go back to sleep, bud. And I'm like, I can't, I cannot. So and this is real, and my praise God for my dad, right? So he literally gets up. Everyone gets up and we go out and I just start ripping and tearing. I I don't even care about everything. that's. I only want this one thing. And guess what? Oh, I did get it, Ruby. Yeah. And so there it was. And I open it. It's got like duck hunt and it's got Mario and it's just awesome. Now guess what I want? Hook it up hook it is by the way this isn't an easy thing back then but my dad's a smart guy so he made sure we had all the switches and all the things he hooks it up and I play literally till I thought my thumbs were gonna fall off <laughs> my eyes were like bloodshot red family comes over and I'm now just I'm a zombie and I stayed that way till I graduated college <laughs> kind of kidding kind of kidding. kept getting different systems, right? But that's what I think of when I think of the shameless. I was so shameless. I didn't knock on their bedroom door. I barged in. Now, I don't want you started thinking all weird, like Lord of the Rings, like we're like babies hopping on Jesus's bed, right? Like if you don't know that reference, it's okay. The end of Lord of the Rings has little hobbits jumping on a bed, and it's really weird. But I just jumped up on in there, and I never worried about he might reject me. And I never thought for a second he would say no. I knew my dad, and I knew my dad was going to be annoyed. He wasn't doing this because I'm his son. He's like, this is the only way he will not stop talking. I'm hooking it up. I'm going back to bed. And he did. And man, when I think about that story, it helps me to think about what it looks like to pray. With all the kiddiness aside, but this, is what it, this is what Jesus is encouraging. Think about it. If audacious asking brings results in the realm of human relationships, how much more when it comes to our, human, our heavenly Father? Right? I mean, get it. He, here's the thing. He's never annoyed, though. He's not like my dad. In some ways, but not many he, he our Heavenly Father is never annoyed. He's, he's never impatient. Right? When it comes to Him and us with our needs, this should fuel us. This should give us encouragement to go to Him and to ask. Just ask. Yeah, but what I gotta think, think about, does it glorify Him? Just ask. And I'm not saying you shouldn't not think when you pray. You do think. But you think about him, you think about his character, and boy, does that fuel praying. And so he continues. Look at verse 9 and 10 of Luke 11. He says, I tell you, and I tell you, ask, and and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. I mean, the encouragement's clear here, right? Don't hesitate in any way to bring your request to your father, no matter how ridiculous. I love that. That's not how I pray most often. I get too much in my head. I really do. But before your father in heaven, you got to know he loves you. You're in Christ. He, He adores you. He enjoys you. Remember we talked about in Zephaniah, he sings over you. He's pleased with you. He he loves you. So don't miss this beautiful little phrase in verse 10. For, and look at the word. Everyone. He's talking to disciples, believers, children. Yes. But all children. Even like the, you know, you remember the the Cabbage Patch kids? Right? Um, They were kind of boring. I think girls liked them. But I remember Garbage Pail Kids. Right? And that was for the boys. Right? And he had like Snotty Susan. Like, even those kids, he enjoys. He enjoys. This is for everyone. Why it's a great comfort is because Jesus doesn't reserve this assurance for some elite Navy SEAL prayers, right? Or some Christian commandos who just always get it right. They just pray so perfectly. It's for all his children, every one of them right? Whether it's, you know, Phil, the plumber, or Susie, the stockbroker, it doesn't matter who, when we pray in Christ for those who are trusting Jesus for their salvation, trusting in God, he's our father, and so he's way better than a friend at midnight. He's your father, and he don't get tired, and he don't sleep, right? And so you really can't bother him. But do do I think like that? I mean, Warning, by the way, way, way too many of us don't have this understanding of God as Father when we pray. We, we really don't. Many times I think we think of God as like a boss, where I gotta get my, my reports up before I can go. I had a good behavior day today. I'll go and ask and see what the boss says. Or, or we, we may think of him as like some sky pinata, right? And prayer's the stick, and we just whack him until we get the goodies right? But, but neither of those are right. Those are both distortions. One is a distortion of the prosperity of the gospel, and, and the other one's just a distortion of just like legalistic religion. Neither of them get at the heart of a father, right? There's no doubt, by the way, that some of you, and I, when I say no doubt, it's because I know. I know you. I've, I've sat with you. I've talked with you, that you've persisted in prayer, shamelessly, asking, and you're probably on the fringe of bitterness, and maybe even a little doubt, maybe a little insecurity because you continue to ask, and it seems as though nothing changes. I, I want to encourage you to continue to ask, continue to go to him. Don't, don't quit. Why? Well, because ultimately, God, you got to pay attention, or you'll be like, oh, heretic, and you'll pick up chairs and hit me with it like it's WWF. God answers all prayer. Now you'd be like, "Oh, wait a minute. Like you should have like, huh? Right? But, but he does. Yes. No. Later. And That's how he answers. And I think of myself as a father. And, and that's exactly how I work, right? And so let's say little Sarah Louise Rising comes up and it's like midnight, right? And she's like, dad, can I have a Mountain Dew? not now not now we could probably have one with lunch tomorrow seems like a good idea right daddy i can't sleep can you come like lay down and and, like just read a story till i fall asleep yes absolutely let's do that you know no what's no look like well i tried to not be the the red light dad right i tried to be a green light dad and the reason is because i really wanted her to have that confidence of going to god but there were times that's a horrible idea right? Can I go play on 422 with my friends? That's a busy road where I used to live. The answer is no, not now, not ever. Don't do that. That ends very badly. Okay. But the tricky thing is, is what about when, when you're asking God and you're like, this aligns with everything I see in the word, this is a good thing. I'm asking for this isn't can I play on 422 this is something you desire you tell me you desire I'm asking and it's still not happening right now I I don't know how to answer that I I don't and anybody who tells you they do find new friends for real because because they're trying to ease your conscience so they can ease theirs but I don't know but I do know this my friend Tim Keller was extremely helpful here. He didn't know it because he didn't even know we were friends. But here's what he said. <laughs> I really read, I love his books, it's, it's different things. Anyway, he said, God always answers your prayer in precisely the way you would want them to be answered if you knew everything he knew. Well, I believe, but help my unbelief. I mean, that's, that's a hard concept. When you're praying for a, a, a friend who doesn't trust and believe in Jesus. When you're praying for... I mean, just, just think of the thousand things that you might have prayed for. But we should never miss that friendships mentioned four times in this story. The introduction, the request, the description of the guest, and the conclusion. See, our God is a good friend to sinners. That's really good news, right? We've called this a feast for failures. The whole sermon series is titled that. I've had people even kind of ask me about that a little bit. I would double down in a heartbeat on that title because here's the deal. None of us on our own merits are good enough ever, not even on your best day, you don't love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, love your neighbor as yourself. You're like, oh, yes, I do. No, you don't. It's not even close. It's, you could no longer or even come close to getting to God with your record than you could hugging the sun without being incinerated. This couldn't happen. Something had to change. Jesus had to make a way for that relationship to change. And guess what? He loved to do it. It wasn't begrudging. He wanted to come. Yes, Father, that's the best idea ever. I will come. I will live the life they could not live. I will obey the law perfectly, right? I I will gladly, for the joy that is set before me, go to the cross, endure the shame, and receive the punishment that this Group of rebellious sinners deserve, but I'll receive it. I'll become sin in their place and I'll give them my perfect righteousness so that you now can not have anger towards them, but just unlimited love. Why? And I'm going to prove that it works because I'm going to resurrect from the grave. I mean, this is what Christ has done. And now you stand fully forgiven, fully righteous because of everything that Jesus has done. So we can shamelessly go to the Father and make our requests known. And guess what? He's not ever like, oh, get out of here. You not believe this, but if you're in Christ, he loves you right now. Not a future you. Not when you start praying more. Not when you actually make it to missional community group all the time and be on mission. He loves you right now. Well, yeah, but when I be, hey, loves you right now as much as he's ever going to love you. And actually, I don't even know if that's true because I bet you his love can grow, but I don't know. It's perfect, his love for you. If you believe that, we can be done talking about prayer because you'll pray. You just pray. Can you see how Jesus is getting at everything when it comes to prayer depends upon the goodness of God? Not your great request. Not your flowery language. I mean, if you want to pray that way, do that. But, but we're going to get to Luke 18 and there's going to be a Pharisee and he's going to be in the temple and he's going to be like, oh God, I thank you that I'm not like the rest of this pond scum. That's my translation. And he's going to say, I tithe out of my deal. I do this. I give. I'm on mission. I'm amazing. And there's going to be another guy who's a tax collector. He's going to have his head low. And he's going to be, have mercy on me. And Jesus says, that man goes home justified. And he doesn't mean the Pharisee. He's not impressed with your language. He looks to your heart. Are you coming to me to just get goodies? Or are you coming to me because you enjoy your dad? Everything depends upon him. Not our unrelenting passion or that we're praying perfectly. Although, Jesus is going to make sure, come with passion, come with request. He's going to give us many more examples of prayer, but we're sticking with this one for right now. See, the examples that Jesus gives reveal that the Father is eager to answer our request, to be found, to open the door, to be bothered as if we ever could. So when we knock on the door of heaven with prayer, like we find it already open. It's already open. He's ready to receive you, right? When we seek the help of our Heavenly Father, we find it. It might not be exactly what you want. Paul prayed three times, remove this thorn in the flesh. And, and guess what? God said, no. He said, he didn't say it like that, though. Like, no. Like, n- no. He's, My grace is sufficient for you and your weakness. I'll give you what you need. I'll give you the strength to endure. But I'm not taking it. Why? I, d- I don't know. And you don't either. And you don't need to see that's the hardest thing i want to know why kids ask why all the time why i love it now i used to be like so annoyed because i said right like we want to know why but sometimes if he don't tell us but but he tells us who he tells us who We ask in prayer for help that we need, and know this, you're sure to receive it. And see, I guess that's it, right? If you could say, what is prayer in one word? I think it's this word, help. That's prayer. I was at the beach, I told you that. You could tell by my awesome glow, right? Um... And the winds were crashing in. And it was pretty crazy the first couple of days. And I had prescription sunglasses on that were my favorite because I never owned a pair. Because they're so expensive. It's kind of like a luxury. And a wave crashed over my head. And there they went. I know. I felt all that. And so then I'm like, I'm just shamelessly asking. I'm, I'm even ridiculous in my prayer. like Just wash them up on shore. <laughs> make them float. I mean, he did not answer, by the way, in that way, right? There's somewhere turtles enjoying them. I don't know. Or choked on it and I killed one. I don't know. I didn't try to litter. So save me your emails. I hate paper straws. (laughs) But I did ask. Because I was thinking about this all week. I couldn't wait to come preach because I wanted to preach the sermon I need. That's all I'm ever trying to do when I preach is trying to preach the sermon I need because I know if I need it, you need it too. And God's so good to give us what we need. So so prayer is an expression of relationship and because we're dependent and because he's so dependable, the, the word I think of is just help. Whatever it is, fill in the blank. Help. See, the dependence we have upon our father can happen only because our relationship is grace based. It's just grace based. It's it's I don't have to do anything to make him ready or want to give when I'm in Christ. He wants to. It's his desire. So he continues. (laughs) By the way, look at this, by the way. Look at 11 through 13. Because Jesus is getting ready to close his instruction on prayer, at least for this one. And he reiterates and reinforces the understanding as God as Father. And I love this. He says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, listen, here's your description. Humans are basically good, who are evil. <laughs> this is the disciples he's talking to, by the way. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I, this is a strange Yet I think it's very funny little story. It's like almost like it's like it's come from a Stephen King novel or something, right? Kid goes up to dad and it's like, "Daddy, can I have bread?" Sure, here's a snake, right? Like (laughs) this sounds awful, right? But it's there's it's simplistic. It's it's poetic beauty, right? Jesus is arguing from the lesser to the greater. It's exactly what he's doing here. If you then, who are evil? If you're evil. And you know how to give good gifts to your kids. How much, oh, I love that. How much more, oh, underline it, highlight it, circle it, get it in your head. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Do you, do you see what he's, he's saying? What you need is a helper. What, what you need is you need He's saying, me. And I'm going to give you me. Why? Because I'm going to go to the cross. He's going to tell the disciples later on, it's best that I go away. Could you imagine those words? You left everything, walking with Jesus, three years, and he's saying, guys, it's good. I, I just got to peace out. Where are you going? Oh, I'm going to my father's house. I'm going to build mansions. That's not actually what it says. But I'm going to go. But don't worry. I will send the helper. And I haven't made up my mind yet, but if I say it, I probably have to. We're going to go and probably do nine weeks in the book of Acts as soon as we're done in Luke. Because I want you to see exactly what Luke's getting at, what Jesus is getting at in Luke. And and there's 28 chapters in Acts, and we're going to do it in nine weeks. Okay, We can do that because we're just going to look at themes. But what I want you to see is you and I can't do anything God's asking us to do. Apart from His power. Apart from His presence. Apart from His grace. And so what we need more than anything is we need Him. That's why growing in Christ looks like... You shrinking and him increasing. You becoming more like a child, more needy than ever before. I think too many times religion gets in the way. I'm using religion as a negative here in the sense that you think the more you are sanctified and become more like Jesus, the less you need him. That's not how it works. That's how you become a Pharisee and no one invites you to their picnics. To grow in grace is to get small. You must increase, I must decrease. And how you do that is by realizing how needy we really are. And he says, So you ask. I mean, okay, man, your fathers, you give, I know by the way, there's evil fathers. Can't talk about all that. I know there's fathers who actually would give a serpent because they are evil and they've harmed you and they've abused you. I know it. I've talked to you. I've heard your stories. There's much grace. There's much healing and all your tears will be pressed out of your eyes one day by the God who loves you and by the God who saved you. But that's not the norm. The norm is most fathers just do the best they possibly can and they try to give good gifts and they try to do this thing right. But he's saying, and you're still evil, but your father in heaven's perfect and he'll give you Everything. How? What do you mean? He's going to give you himself. That's why in Romans 8, when you don't know what to pray, you, you, don't, you don't even have to think about it. You just cry your eyes out and have snot pour out of your face. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will intercede in your behalf. He's your helper. He's real. He's present. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's with you you can't outrun him there's nowhere you could go and this is who we need that's okay you ready for the point there you go disciples can pray with the audacity of children because god is our father he can be trusted fully to give good gifts especially the Holy Spirit, that we need to accomplish his will. Church, your father will constantly do you good from heaven. You can just trust that. Now, you may struggle to believe that. That's to be expected. However, he, he's never given his children anything but the best. Now, that might cause you some challenges as you think about that statement. I even thought, oh, should I say that? But I'm, I'm a man who suffered. I'm not going to say suffered great. I, I think it's crazy to compare suffering. Um, suffering it's just suffering. Some have suffered more, but maybe it's more for them. I don't know. But, but I can tell you this. He's never given his children anything but the best. Why? Because he's given you everything and giving himself. That's why you can't forget the good news. You cannot forget the gospel. It has to be in sight every time, whether we're talking about prayer, reading the Bible, this, that. It's all centered on a person, and his name is Jesus. Romans 8.32 says this. He, the God, the Father, who did not spare his own son. He's saying he didn't spare him. But he actually gave him up, this is what the language says, for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? It's a rhetorical question. Meaning, if, if God has given Jesus for your salvation so that you might enjoy eternity with God as your father, not in a real place called hell under his wrath. If he has given Jesus to accomplish your salvation, Why would he ever withhold anything from you? And by the way, the gospel is so good that it says he gave him up while we were weak, ungodly sinners. It wasn't when we were like bright, shiny, happy little kids. Oh, well, gosh darn it, I guess we should die for them. No, you're rebellious sinners. And he said, I will gladly give my son up for you, that you might enjoy life with me when you believe and put your trust in Jesus for your salvation and everybody says well then you gotta talk about repentance and I agree but know this kindness is what leads to repentance when you see God's mercy, grace and love you can't help but repent because it means I'm turning from my sinful ways and I'm running to the Father this is what it means you can't believe the gospel and not repent you just can't You you can't believe the good news of Jesus Christ and not repent, not change your mind. Because what you're changing your mind about is the goodness of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God. You used to think either he didn't exist or he's out to get me, but now you say, I see. And, And you didn't see. You didn't do that. The Holy Spirit opened your eyes to see Jesus as stunningly beautiful. And when you see him for who he really is, you can't help but say, I'm done living my way. I want to live life with you because that's where life is found, life in abundance. Satan has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I've believed his lies long enough. You've opened my mind and my eyes to see the truth that life is with you, and I want you. That's what faith looks like. And so when we grow in our lives in in Christ, it's just growing more deeply in the love we already have. It's it's really all it is. It's not all it is, but it's all it is. It's got to be more complicated than that. It's not. It's not. We need the Holy Spirit's help to see and to believe this love, and to keep believing this love, especially in times of suffering. Uh, You got to know, though, this isn't some dry teaching. Thank you for the sermon on prayer. If that's what you get when you come here, Lord, help us. Help me. I'm going to go flip burgers in North Carolina, or fish. I guess they like fish when you go there, right? This teaching, these, these teachings that Jesus is giving us is life. It's life itself. It's not just some intellectual understanding. He's saying you could go to God as your father. And he's not going to meet you with a frown. He loves you. Go. What will he give me? Everything. Everything, like a Benz, maybe not a Benz. But he'll give you himself, and he is everything. He'll give you his love. Our Father always does what's good for his children. Believe it. Ask help to believe it. Keep looking to Christ. Keep looking to the love of your Father. Live life in the light that you're loved. I'm talking to Christians. And by the way, if you're not yet convinced of the good news of Jesus Christ, today would be a great day to believe that Christ loves you and to receive his love. Live love, pray loved. That's what it looks like to walk with God. Your Heavenly Father loves you passionately. He loves you perfectly. See, unlike human fathers, um, God's always available, and he knows exactly what to do every time. He's always patient. He's always kind. He's always able to provide whatever's necessary to do his will. He's generous. He's wise. He's firm in his discipline, right? But he's quick to forgive. As a matter of fact, you stand in a constant state of forgiveness. He never breaks a promise. Well, it's good to know. I've, I've tried to never break a promise, but I'm sure I have. Not even knowingly. Said we'll get ice cream. Ran out of time. They closed. We didn't get it. He's not like that. And because his spirit dwells in all who believe, he goes with you wherever you go. He's a constant present help in our time of need he's the best father anyone could want especially for those who have had dreadful or absent fathers he can heal that wound and he will spend eternity lavishing you with love that you should have had here so good once again tim keller my buddy helped me out who's with the lord by the way He said, the gospel says you are simultaneously more sinful and flawed than you have ever dared to believe. Yet you're more loved and accepted than you've ever dared hope. Man, if we get that, you'll figure out prayer. Thanks for listening to this sermon. If you found it helpful, we encourage you to enjoy more of our sermons Find out more information about For the City or how to partner with us through prayer and giving at www.forthecity.church. For the City exists to magnified Jesus by making disciples who share and show the transforming power of the gospel and plant churches that multiply.